Welcome to Foreign Devs. I'm Yanni. I'm Victor. That's my co-host there, and we're kicking off episode 14 here. So uh, Victor and I just got back. It's been an uh, exhausting couple weeks, but we just got back from the Miami Boat Show. Had a great time down there, and yep. this is our uh, first podcast since. So sorry yeah. for the delay, and we'll get right back on track. Absolutely. Miami Boat Show, obviously, for those of you that don't know, it's one of the biggest boat shows in the world. Um, many, many people come in from out of town. Uh, it's a big display. Everybody, just about everybody, ends up going there. Vendors, boat builders, everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was a great show this year. Really, really great show. Good, positive energy. Um, actually, I, I can't believe how much it affected my own mindset. Uh, this is the first time in forever that you and I have worked the same booth together. And That's right. Between between that, between having a great team there, you know, a lot of support, and then just spending good quality time after the uh, after the show uh, each night, you know, grabbing dinner a few times, riding scooters around town. It was a blast. <laughs> it was a blast. Those scooters were fun, huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And now I know. Always go with the bird. They seem to be the quickest. The bird does seem to be the quickest. Yep, I had the um, the Uber one, the orange one. Not as quick. Yanni was definitely uh, outpacing me in some of the uh, longer runs. Well, you know, Laracon's coming up in Atlanta, and that's the first place I ever saw the rental scooters, so we'll have to revisit that. Absolutely. We should drag race them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think so. We'll rent each one. We'll figure out what the the fastest one is, and we'll we'll do a public service. Top gear of scooters. That's that's our niche. I love it. I love it. And we'll report back in the podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, looking forward to Laracon for sure. Um, Not too far away. I'm looking looking forward to getting... Oh, we have Laracon online, too, right before that. We do. We do. Taylor's been teasing a lot of Laravel 7 stuff. Yeah. uh, You know, there's a lot of excitement. And um, I got to say, just getting out there in person to the conferences. And of course you could just later on watch the videos as they're released over time, but just getting out there and being there in person. I always love um, educational events where you could step out of the office, be in a different mindset and um, just absorb that information. That's where some of the best ideas come to me. Well, the thing about it is that you're out there with one particular purpose and you're there for that. And so that's all you're doing. That's all you're thinking about. There's no distractions. You know, you're not going back home after day one and kind of tuning out for a little bit. You know, you're, you're there the whole time. There's all you're eating, eating and breathing. And it's actually that comes up too when, whenever we do long extended photo shoots, and, you know, and we go to the location and we're there for a week, we get so much done in that one week because everybody's away from their normal life, and this is all we're doing. We're there just shooting boats and doing videos, and that's, you know, it's, it's all we do day in, day out. And we end up doing so much more because of it, you know, sort of the same principle with Laracon. You go out there, and it's all you're eating and breathing for a couple of days, and, oh, you yeah. know, that's nice. And that video shoot we did together a few years ago, oh, man, what a blast. Some of, some of the best videos I've ever uh, ever worked on came out of that i agree and it's just that you know everybody's focused everybody's doing that and it pays off you know oh yeah pays off for sure 
So talking about thinking, um, been doing a ton of thinking lately and, and, uh, not for no real particular reason other than, uh, and you're reading the same book, but, uh, good to great by Jim Collins. It is one of the best books I've read. I know you want to talk about it too. Actually, you, you asked earlier before we hit record on this episode, you asked if I had a lot of topics. I said, my list was minimal. This is the first episode. I don't have a single item on. I, I don't have notes for this episode. Not one item. In my head, I wanted to discuss the Miami Boat Show, and I wanted to discuss Good to Great. And I think there's a lot to talk about from there. Um, so I figured instead of having you know a list of items to go through, instead I wanted to just focus on meaningful conversation with you um, rather than just try to get to you know next item on the list. Absolutely. I love it. So I see, I feel like we should introduce a little bit of good to great before we even dive into it. So I'll yeah, let you kick off. Where, give it, yeah. Give it oh, a little bit of what it say, is. I was just going to say you're better at introducing things because I just kind of steamroll to the next part. <laughs> but but uh, good to great. It is a five-year study on companies that went from performing at general market rate um, here in the U.S., to for a period of 15 years performing at least three times the market rate and they identified 11 companies i believe it was that's right 11 studied started studying what triggered that change you know what was it in their uh leadership what was it in their team members um and they found quite a lot of coincidences or a few very solid ones that didn't exist at all in the competitors that didn't uh, climb or didn't go from good to great. Right. So each of the 11 companies had matching 11 companies that were in the same field, that had the same opportunities and were sort of the same size that they also could have applied the same exact techniques at the same time period. And they could have been the ones that had the six times growth, you know, 10, 11, 12 times more growth um, in the same period of time. Sort of to see if, so you could separate it as, well, that industry grew a lot. So, of course, that company was doing better, you know, because the whole industry was doing better. Now, they wanted to find out a company that outperformed the market and their industry in in comparison to a company that was in the same, that did not do the same. So, but, you know, a lot of it, again, and they talk about it in the book, but, you know, the the whole premise behind it is just this can be applied to anything, right? This they Even though they did the study on these particular companies and they're publicly traded companies, multi-million dollar companies, these things could be applied to organizations, could be applied to just about of any size, you know, and, and there's just so much to absorb um, in it. So definitely so yeah. much. Yeah, one of the reasons they studied companies is because the information, the data was there and readily available, whereas if you were looking at private individuals, um, it would be a very tough comparison. But um, it's, it's, it's an amazing study. And one of the things that really connected with me, I mean, 25 in, pages into this book, I had sent you more quotes from it. I know, quotes. I know. It, it is the best book I've ever read. You know, I've come to that conclusion. Um, not a not an easy statement to make. But 
what really connected with me was there's been things I've argued hard with with companies I've worked with over the years and and um, some of them have been about strategy about things that frustrate team members about things that I believe have held companies back from getting to that next level and often I felt like you know me bringing up these points or these these uh, subjects that aren't talked about every day uh, seemed kind of silly or seemed a little out there. And reading this book, I'm like, you know, yes. I just feel that, that so much of that information <laughs> yeah. is finally, you know, put into a Bible. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's an, an amazing book that I'm glad I finally got a chance to read it. Yeah, no, so, well, one of the big takeaways for me was the bus analogy. I think that that was sort of the the first time that the book really started to click in my head. And so to kind of get into the bus analogy, and they're talking about you got to, you know, once you get in the bus, right, you got to get the wrong people off the bus. That's first and foremost. Um, And mostly to do with the fact that this is something that I've been in a position that I've been in. I felt demotivated by just the wrong people on the bus. You know, and this is something that I feel like a lot of people suffer at at work. You know, you've got a couple of people that you know maybe are not in the right position or maybe should not even be in the organization. They just don't match, um, you know, sort of the flow of the organization or the direction or the vision or whatever you want to call it. But they're still on the bus for X or Y reason. And so they don't encourage, you know, growth within you as a person, but rather they discourage that. And so getting the wrong people off the bus was a big hit for me, um, you know, as a step one, because it just makes sense. Then sort of that second step is you bring the right people on the bus. And then a third step is you put them in the right place. Because, you know, and I think that's key, because you could bring all the right people, but you put them in the wrong place, or you micromanage them, or you, you bring you bring them in for their talents, but then you hinder their talents by imposing your ideas. And that's, you know, and that's totally ruins the right people, you know, and I, I mean, that's it. And then on top of that, of course, the, the cherry on top is that Jim talks about, well, once you have everybody on the bus and they're all in the right seats, then you decide where we're going to take this bus. You don't decide where the bus is going to go before you hire the people or rather you hire all these people with all this, all this talent and then you just let them drive the boat or the bus, rather. Yeah. Um, it, it focuses on how important it is to be be surrounded and have the right people on your team. And, and uh, one of the things I love is sometimes you pick up the right people without even having that position for them. But you know they're going to contribute um, because they're motivated. They are strong team players. Um you know, I just had a discussion discussion earlier this week regarding regarding a company who has an individual uh, performing a consumer facing role that is very weak at his his supposed skill set and is very weak in work ethic. And ultimately, the company is deciding it's a price point position rather than looking at what they could what they could more what more they could be doing 
you know, how much more they could increase the ROI on that position. So it's a very tough um, discussion when you're fighting against someone who doesn't understand that, that uh, let's get the right person on board rather than, hey, let's get the cheapest guy on the, on the bus. Well, you know, I got a great quote to go along with that. And I've actually got a lot of quotes. I don't know how many of these we'll, we'll want to read out. But the one that I have that really matches that is nothing will kill a great employee faster than watching you tolerate a bad one. I think that's huge. Um, that is something that I've had to deal with on a personal note. Um, just like I was saying, sort of watching the bad ones, you know, the bad apples. Everybody kind of calls them bad apples, I feel like, in the in the real world kind of thing. But so, well, you know, it's just a bad apple and it spoils the the lot. And it's 100 percent true. You know, it, it, sure. it doesn't, you know, when you are next to people that are super motivated, super driven, super moving forward, you're going to do the same. You're going to fall in line. You know, it's just human instinct to do that. Um, and you put you put rotting fruit next to a fresh fruit and the rot spreads. It's yeah. as simple as that. Exactly. And so this, you know, when you think about it that way, in terms of that with the bus, you know, driving the bus together, I mean, it all really clicked for me. And that's only like chapter two, you know, I mean, there's so much more. After that. So I don't know how far long, how far you've gone on the book. I actually, I did actually finish it last night. No, um, it's not some about yeah, I've still got a bit to go. Um, I got but, super excited, man. I just, I was just consuming it like crazy because you know I just got so excited with it, you know. Yeah, but, it's it's. I know I'm going to be rewriting it a second time, and yeah, and uh, rework too. I was thinking about rework. You know, that's been one of my favorites. That I want to revisit that one as well because just love this type of information. You know, love seeing that there's there's some similar thought patterns out there and and uh some scientific basis for it yeah i i started rework today actually for the first time okay you actually gave me rework book. i don't know if you remember for christmas i do i do yeah so i'm getting around to it i'm gonna i'm gonna make it happen oh good yeah i mean one of the other key points that i i kind of took away from the book was sort of this notion of we're so ingrained with this notion of hierarchy in in corporations and, you know, titles and who's on top of who and who tells who what to do. And and this book kind of takes that away, you know, in a bit. Um, talking about even down to the study they did on how much CEOs made and whether that had any correlation to the company's success or not. You know, or whether, you know, stock options were better than 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 bonus or salary or whatever it was. And. You know, all in all, just talking about that energy and that motivation um, energy and how if you've got the right people, there's no reason to be in a hierarchy and there's no reason to be constantly motivating them, you know, and the, hey, you know, we should really get this done. You know, it's and sort of, you know, if you fall back to that, it's sort of a good a good measure that. Maybe it's not the right people on the bus, or maybe they're in the wrong position. You know, the wrong the wrong place. It's funny you bring that up. I was just just the other morning thinking about that, where most of the roles I've taken or I've, I've been in have been where 
it's been about identifying where there's potential and then implementing solutions to that. I actually had to pull this down from an email I had sent out uh, earlier in this week. But anyways, I, I said, like anything, there's so much potential, but potential without drive is nothing but lost opportunities. We, as a company, cannot put drive into people. We can only acquire driven people, and as countless studies have shown, salary has no effect on drive, but drive has infinite effect on salary, which continues off of what you were saying. And hierarchy-wise, yeah, you know, great team supports each other. When you have that great atmosphere and you have the right team members, you have everyone pushing to achieve, I'll say, common goals, but greatness or growth or, you know, take things to the next level. And when you have undriven individuals, they're okay with status quo, and they're only going to do maybe what their job title dictates they do. Yeah, you know, one one thing that actually, so my current boss, when we when we first got here, we kind of started just about the same time. You know, there was one one piece of of wisdom that he kind of imparted on me, but he didn't. He wasn't even doing it on purpose. It had nothing to do with anything. As a matter of fact, we weren't even during work hours. We, I was shopping around for um, a washer and dryer for for okay. the new house, and we were at Home Depot, and there there was one of those things that you know. You go to places like that and, you know, they're, there's, they're all hourly employees, you know, and they're there just counting down the seconds that they can clock out and go on break or counting down the seconds to just go home, right? Yep, yep. And there was this one particular person there. He wasn't very helpful. And he made a comment like, you know, I'm just here doing my time, right? And... And it wasn't even related. We were just asking where, you know, the, the, the washers and dryers were. And ultimately we end up walking away. And then he tells me, my, my current boss, Richie, he tends up telling me, um, this is why he still works here. You know, and that really stuck with me because I could see that in his attitude, he wasn't ready for something better. You know, he wasn't ready yep. to to go on another company and start making six figures. You know, he mentally, he wasn't ready. And, and unfortunately, most people will never even realize that, you know, um, you know, and then you see those people that are way over the top and they really do go above and beyond. And I actually have a good story about that, um, of how somebody could go above and beyond and receive an amazing opportunity because of what they did. And and so my my related story to that sort of the the opposite of that story I just heard about it recently I didn't even know but one of our one of our dealers has um, this salesperson in their staff which you know I've always thought highly of and they always do their stuff they're right on point on everything and everything's great and I found out how that person got hired well, it turns out that he was actually a bartender. And the owner of the dealership, you know, frequent, frequently went to this bar with his wife and this, this bartender was always so, so helpful. And, and he was always attentive and he always remembered their name and he genuinely cared. And so after a couple of times that, that they went to the bar and, and he was their bartender, he was so impressed with him that he ends up telling him, you know what, 
I want to hire you and I want to bring you to the dealership and I want to turn you into a salesperson because you're just going to be so amazing at it. And he did. He hired him and now he's actually running one of the stores. This is just that's an incredible story, right? Of how, yeah, how this person ended up there. Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, you know, I, I love stories like that where you see people put in the extra effort and it, it pays pays itself back in the uh, long run. Absolutely. Uh, went to the movies and I rarely go to the movies, but Don and I went to the movies a few weeks ago and I uh, I went to order popcorn and I ordered a small one. And the guy, the cashier says to me, oh, if you order the senior citizens one, it's a little bit less. I said, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> not, not that I didn't want to save money, but I was just blown away. And all that came to my mind was that, wow, this, this must be a real negative, a negative atmosphere for him to just want to intentionally, and maybe he wasn't doing it intentionally. Maybe he was just thinking, hey, he'd like to save money, but... You know, I just felt it wasn't perhaps the right thing to do and not something I would do in his role. It kind of bothered me. And, you know, there's a million th different ways you could go with that that thought train. But I think a lot of that could be fixed with management t possibly taking a different approach. Right. Yeah. I mean, that I mean, but that mentality is is the norm. So that's sort of like the starting point. That's the default. That's what. Most pay, most places that you visit that have those hourly employees, that's sort of it. That's that's what it feels like. Um, you know, so obviously the the default is not the good uh, or the great. The default is kind of like just good enough, or maybe even yep. bad. You know, not even good. It's just kind of like, eh, yeah, they're getting the job done. You know, he's selling the popcorn. You know, he's filling the buckets and he's charging cards. You know, that's that's it. Um, and then that definitely, I, I do feel like that stands from the, from the top down in a position like that, where, you know, I feel like a good manager could turn that around and really do, you know what I mean? Find people that want to do better, you know? And, but again, that's not the norm. That's not how it, how it usually goes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, speaking about something a little bit bigger, so, so with the, um, with one of my vehicles. Uh, when I bought it, and I take the service aspect into consideration when I buy a vehicle, I don't like to buy vehicles where I'm expecting a lower quality of service. Volvo's kind of been on the middle ground. Their service departments have gotten a lot better. It's not quite the Lexus experience or the Audi experience, but they're doing a great job improving it. Uh, definitely have come a long way in the last few years. But uh, I usually aim for that or a little bit higher. It's very convenient when you have a great service department and, and they make things easy. On the other hand, when you have a service department where everything becomes a customer problem or you can't get a loaner vehicle, you know, if your car's staying there for days or this or that, it just becomes really annoying and drives me nuts. So I was lucky with one of my vehicles that the service advisor at the dealership for the initial visit was fantastic. He was a bit of a gearhead. We just communicated well. Everything went great. It clicked. So I was disappointed. It, it clicked. It clicked. You know, um, it was one of those situations where I said, this is the kind of guy I wish, you know, wish we had more of and kind of guy who I wish, you know, I could put in that position. 
So I was a bit disappointed when I found out he was no longer there when when I had to take the vehicle back in. And, you know, just calling into the dealership and speaking to people, just trying to figure out who my next service advisor is seemed like a time-consuming task. I mean, no one could tell me. And it wasn't until I took the vehicle in and, I mean, just wasted an hour there till they finally got a got a service advisor. And the experience was so, it, it was awful, but it was also frustrating. It was uh, simple things just became, you know, almost arguments. I took in a small hit list, just like every one of them was no, no, no. It was just an excuse after an excuse. It bothered me enough to where I said, you know what, this is not the kind of company I want to be dealing with. And I started thinking about alternatives, um, you know, what, what I could replace it with. And when I took a step back, I said, wait a second, we're talking about a pretty expensive purchase that I'm almost willing to take a hit on, you know, decent hit on just to change that service or that level of service, you know, that service experience. And how often do you really take a vehicle in for service once, twice a year, you know, with the dealership? But it just says a lot, even even to me, you know, I know this, but it just says a lot that uh, how valuable uh, service, regardless of whether it's a you know car company, car dealership, whatever it is, that service is so important. And that's what you pay for. That's no matter what you're getting, you know, that's that's what you or that's at least what I'm after. That separates good company from a great company to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, and obviously service could be easily translated to any post sale, um, whether it's a vehicle and needs service or, you know, if you're doing a service um, in itself, you know, if you're offering a service, you know, the post sale is is just as important. Yep. You know, I in the uh, there was a Harvard review, um, I guess a couple of years now, but it talked about how much more expensive it is to acquire a new customer than it is to keep an existing one, you know? And when you're talking about, you know, high turnover in your customers, then essentially it's it's costing the company a lot more money. Um, you know, like they have you and had they given you an amazing service, you would have probably bought another vehicle from them without without much hesitation. And so- oh, there's, there's brands, specific brands. And I'll give you an example. Lexus is an easy one. Their service is amazing. I mean, they basically- you know, in a very dumbed down metaphor, they basically show up with a roll of toilet paper, you know, just they go to great lengths to make sure you're satisfied. And the vehicles, and I think I've said this before in the podcast, you know, the vehicles are nothing wonderful. Um, you compare it to them to Audi or BMW, you know, I'm much more of a fan of the product from BMW or an Audi. Um, but the peace of mind of that service from Lexus is just amazing. Um, and I, I I wouldn't hesitate to buy another Lexus simply because of that service experience. Right. And so ultimately, if you do that enough as an organization, the turnover, obviously way lower turnover, and you start to just recycle your same customers. And so... You know, say in, in a life of a car, which a life of a car is much shorter than a boat, but figuring a life of a boat, if we're talking about a boat dealership, you really only need about 10 years worth of business 
And then you can start to recycle those those 10 years. And then you start to sell to those people's kids. And then, you know, and eventually you build up this entire repertoire of people that just continually buy boats from you. It's like, hey, I bought a boat from you 10 years ago. It's time to buy another one, you know? And I remember it was a great experience. Let's do it again. And and so they're married to to that to that sales people, um, to the sales staff, you know, in general. And it all kind of parts from some service because it doesn't matter how good the front end is, the back end is bad, it ruins it because you're only going to remember the bad stuff. That's just yep. the way it is. You're only going to remember what went wrong, how they pissed you off, how, what they didn't do for you, even if, you know, they bent over backwards for you earlier in the process. <laughs> you only remember the bad part and it's going to stick with you a lot harder, you know, than than the good stuff. And so... That's just the way it is. It only takes one sour thing to ruin a whole amazing deal that you could have had for with a customer, right? So it's that sort of that turning point where everything really starts to go bad, you know. And I think we've all kind of experienced that at some point. It's, you know, you're maybe if you're freelancing or something like that, there's this one turning point with a client that all of a sudden they start to nitpick everything, they start to go back on everything. They, you know, they. They're not, transactions and conversations are not as smooth as they were. And that's sort of the turning point you're trying to avoid. Yep. And, and you know, it, it, it also relates to team members. When the values of the company don't align with the team member, it's a hard place to be. You know, when you have someone who's driven and wants to take things forward, Ultimately, they might get to that point where they say, well, this isn't the place for me to take things forward, so I need to simply move on and and cross that bridge. And I think that's the case that happened with the service advisor at this dealership. And from what I hear, he's um, he's uh, stepped into a little bit different industry, still somewhat related. And uh, I hope he's he's doing well. I think it'll be very excited for him, you know, passionate guy. And it's a very passionate industry that he's in. So. Um, yeah, just, you know, we've seen it. You and I have seen it over and over and over again. Um, it's just, you'll have both brands where, you know, you have some doing a great job where, you know, owner or the the uh, stakeholders of the company, they really stand behind their products because they believe in them. And then on the other side, you have the guys, you know, who'll do everything to, you know, avoid calls from customers, you know, um, basically put in layers to separate themselves from customers. And it's, it's sad almost They they don't have that same, they're not standing behind their product like some others are. So, but you know, so, that kind um, of, yeah, I mean that, but that, that also has to do with how they see themselves. Right. So, you know, we earlier in one of the earlier podcasts, we talked about, talked about you and the, you know, on your, on your lemon car. Right. And that, mm-hmm, yep. that corporation views them views themselves at such a big corporation that you can't touch me right because i'm so big there's no way that that car is bad right and and it was that attitude that sort of translated through the whole entire process was yeah well we're going to put all these rules so that you give up we're only going to drive the car for one mile and we're only going to test drive it you know in all the right conditions so that i can prove to you that you're wrong even though you have this mountain of evidence that this car clearly has some sort of mechanical issue. And 
that you know that translates from the from the top down you know if sort of the the ownership the stakeholders if they have that we are just so much better attitude it translates down you know and, and all the way down to the customers and you know the the team members start to act sort of in that same in that same way oh um, absolutely it, and in that example you just used if they would have come back and said, you know, let's work on this, let's let's find this issue, or shown a little support that they were they were curious and and uh, wanted to fix this, we would have never gone to court. I mean, uh, hopefully, we would have found the issue, and I believe there was a little bit legitimate chance of finding it. But um, that that attitude said a lot, and it forced me to make you know decisions, spend a lot of time on it that I didn't want to, but. It was really the only route I had, and and I am very glad that I came out victorious in that. Yeah, and you know, but the, at the end of the day, too, I mean, I if I'm if I'm sitting in there in their shoes, and I'm thinking, you know, how many people buy one of their cars and says, "Well, this sucks. I don't want this car," and then just comes up with any minor excuse. And we see that in the boating industry. We see folks come back and and say, "Well, you know, this 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 and that and the other," and. I mean, from experience, you know that none of those things are really true about the boat, but you know how it's difficult to judge right away, unless you've got a really good relationship with the customer, sort of what is the BS part of it and what the angle is versus a legitimate problem. You know, in this particular case, obviously your car was a legitimate problem. And ultimately you went to great lengths that I would say 95% of the population would not. They would simply trade it into a dealer and let the dealer deal with it. And then the dealer would sell it to somebody else. And who knows where that car would have ended up. But ultimately, if the attitude from the top down is right, then it will reflect down, you know. And if there is the right attitude from the top down, then it doesn't feel like a hierarchy. And that's, I feel like, some of the stuff that Good to Great was talking about is even though, sure, corporations have hierarchy, of course, there is a CEO. You're not going to get rid of the titles and the positions and all that. But if if that is more of the outward facing part of the company and then the inside, the team, the team feels like a team, not like, a, you know, a pyramid, then that is going to reflect through and through your organization. Definitely. This is something that was touched on. I think it was um, Steve Jobs' biography by Walter Isaacson. Um where they talked about Sony and how Sony had all these different departments that weren't working together. And that was ultimately kind of the downfall of Sony electronics versus Apple. They were so tightly integrated in such a solid team um, that they were able to create what no one else was. Yeah, that's it. There's only so, so much you can do as a single person, you know, and we've talked about this before, but as a solo developer, there's only so much you could do, you know, and then as a huge team, there's only so much you can do, right? So at some point you grow too much or you grow too fast, right? And we, and Rework um, talks about this too, but that's actually part of kind of the part that I'm in right now. But just there is a very good balance that you can find, um, you know, of how big a team should be or where it becomes wasteful if it's too big or how small and then, you know, you just can't get enough done. Or, you know, or not the right people. You can have a lot of people, but the wrong people. Or you can have two or three of the right people in the right places. And then that's it. 
Sky's exactly. the limit. So that's well, all I got, man. Okay. I think it's been an amazing conversation here. Yeah, yeah, this actually worked out no notes and we got some good good topics we, we discussed. Um can't wait to finish the book, but it's it's been great. It's been great. Yeah, absolutely. So when do you say we call it a night on this one? We call it night, and we'll continue the countdown to Laracon and uh, Yanni and Victor drag racing some scooters. We'll get that on video, hopefully. Ooh, video! Yeah, yeah. let's do video. That yeah. could be good. Yeah, <laughs> and we, we still we still got to start, you know, Twitter profile for foreign devs and a few other things that we're procrastinating on, unfortunately. But um, we'll get around to that. Get around to that, and thank you as always for listening in and if thank you, you thank you podcast your friends would enjoy please please do share uh remember this is a unsponsored uh podcast yeah there's no money coming in we just simply do it because we love to do this yeah that's it well on that note i'm yanni that's my co-host victor and we're foreign devs you guys have a great night see you later bye-bye